Hello, and welcome once again to the Blue Ball Skeptics Podcast. This is Episode 8, the Angels and Venison Edition. Today on the show, we're going to be doing skepticism on something that we don't generally do skepticism on. That is the ideology that has been pervading the skeptical and more so in the atheist uh, circles. The ideology of a uh, social justice. Not the kind of social justice where you go out and make the world a better place. But the kind of social justice where you mostly just yell at people online for not falling in line with your ideas quickly enough and then you tell them to check their privilege and then you know you, you call them shit lords and you basically try to keep them in their place that kind of social justice tumbler social justice as it were that's what we're going to be talking about today and we're going to be talking about it with the hosts of a podcast called the antisocial justice podcast uh, we're here with John say hello hello and Zoe she only Does she only respond to Zoe Jen? Do I have to say the whole thing? <laughs> I think it's. I think we've got a little lag Lord from Lord Hyman. Lord Hyman, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's my oh. rap name. <laughs> Whenever I do rap battles. Lord Hyman, yeah. You got to have a rap name. Um, Zoe is fine. <laughs> uh, Zoe, very good, very good. Yeah. John and Zoe are the team behind the Anti-Social Justice podcast. They talk about social justice from an anti-social point of view. Is that, is that about right? That's, uh, That's about right. Word for word how we describe it. Okay. It's like right. he's listening. a lot of annoying Twitter accounts. <laughs> yeah. It's like he's listening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, a shout out to everyone we know from Twitter, especially Ant on a Hill. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got the coolest name. Yeah, and he was on a recent uh, anti-social justice podcast, and he sounds great. He's got he's, a great voice. He's on everything. He's a he's, he's a one-man media hall. We should have him yeah. on. He does have a lovely voice, yes. So you guys, we, we kind of want to know, how did you get into uh, skepticism? You know, like movement skepticism. Uh, how did you guys? How did you guys get into skepticism as a movement? Um, Richard Carrier, when uh, when atheism plus first started getting traction, and Richard Carrier's video of that speech started doing the rounds, I commented on that and immediately found myself being you know piled on by Ulon and a few others, and it just sort of spiraled from there. <laughs> I never intended to be in this thing, the skepticism movement, or the, it just happened. So I know it's not a really, it's not a very interesting answer, but I don't have any. It actually is interesting up. because many people got into this movement by way of Richard Carrier, but you know not because they were pissed off at him, because they. I wasn't pissed off at him. I just uh, I I saw the video. I saw a lot of problem. What I thought were a lot of problems. I had no experience. I'd never argued with somebody in sort of a you know skeptical, critical thinking manner before, and. I started talking, I commented on his on on three thoughts blogs, something I've never done since. Um, and everybody tuned in, and that led to me talking with people like Subman on Twitter and on YouTube and all that sort of thing. And, and I'm still here, like three years later. Oh my God! So it was okay. That Richard Carrier video was that the one uh, entitled uh, "Atheism Plus What"? I can't remember what it was called. It was the one where he was, he was speaking at a conference, and he was uh, it, it was expl- one of the big points about it was he was talking about how um, people should um, speak out and denounce uh, bad behavior and all these sort of things, and um, and they should count for something. While at the same time, he was 
dismissing the fact that his video about it had got something like an order of magnitude more dislikes than likes. I was the wow. very first dislike video. <laughs> did you, did you say first the in the comment? I should have. I really, really should have. Actually, I hit like first to share it on Twitter, and then I hit dislike. <laughs> Does that cancel each other out? No, actually. Like, it, like voting, it, I don't know. <laughs> it, it's like the Scots who voted for and against independence on the same ballot. Yeah. <laughs> there were hundreds of people who did that, who checked both boxes. It's a very, very simple question. Should there's a single issue vote, independent right? nation? Oh crap! I checked the wrong one. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I hit the like button, and then uh, it popped up on my Twitter share, and then I immediately hit the dislike button, and I'm like, first. But I you know I have no way to prove that now. Yeah, that's lost. We're yeah. skeptics. We don't believe you. Yeah. Yeah, and you, sh- and you shouldn't. It's just an anecdote, and I have really nothing to back it up. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, Damien loved love Richard Carrier. Oh, I did. I used to. He was my yeah. boy, man. Yeah, I I fought through a knot of Rebecca Watson fanboys in order to get to him at a party once. <laughs> <laughs> True story. And did you get True to story. him? I I kind of did. It was uh, it, it was the Room Two Hundred One Suite Party at Skepticon Three, and it was you know it was kind of divided in half because you know there's a little narrow space between the the bedroom and the main room. And that narrow space was clogged up by a bunch of fanboys who were just like ogling Rebecca and just hanging on her every word. And you had to get through them to get to the fun part of the party in the back where Richard Carrier and Victor Harris were. It was hard to do. What you're really telling us is that you've been in the same room as Rebecca Watson. Oh, my God. Yeah. Me time. We've all done things we regret. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In the back. I invited her to... Never mind. I'm not going to say what happened there. (laughs) Scratch yeah. that. This is why yeah, we don't go live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that uh, having fanboys like that surrounding you and listening to you every word, it's got to warp your personality. I mean, maybe she knows. There's definitely something warping our personality. <laughs> maybe only one of the number of things, but yeah. <laughs> Zoe, Zoe Jen, how did you get into it? I like, well, I. I'm a, a lifelong atheist, so I kind of feel like it was a bit of how I naturally thought anyway, but I didn't really get into skepticism like with a capital S and a K, if you really insist, before I was on Twitter and I met all of you guys. And that was kind of why I went to TAM this year, was because there was a bit of me thinking this idea of kind of like organized skepticism where you call yourself it and sort of identify with another group of people who call themselves it was a bit sort of American in a way for me. I've never really been aware of that in the UK, although I think in the UK, as a way of thought, it comes naturally to quite a lot of people. It's quite a secular country as well, so it sort of goes a bit hand-in-hand with the atheism. But um, So I wanted to know if I thought that that was the sort of cool way to do it, and I really did. I went to TAM, and it was totally brilliant. I quite like that feeling of being part of something, so that was sort of why I went to try that out. And I also think sort of what we try to do on our podcast where we aren't ever saying that we're right and we're not saying that we're at the left or the right politically either. We're just sort of saying that we're always just trying to make sure that there's an alternative narrative that you can present. It's the same thing as I kind of am always saying about feminism. You know, just that you step back and have a little bit of a look at what you're being told. I think that that is an intellectually strong position to take. 
So try to kind of look at things through that filter. And then, and then I, I kind of just wanted to be in the club. It's fun to say that you're a skeptic with a capital S and a K because, you know, I want to be popular. Who says it with an S and a C? I, I, I'm, we do. I, thought that, I thought that you do. Yeah, I thought that that's... Yeah. But she wants to be in America as well. You guys are so, both British, right? You're both British. Yep. Yeah. So when you well, say I mean, skepticism... No, technically British, I suppose. <laughs> Is that like too low class to be British or what? No, actually, uh, Yorkshire has been pushing for independence after this whole Scottish thing. Probably <laughs> 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 the joke initially, but it seems like they're actually being serious. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> See, that's actually how the American Revolution got started. It, it was all just a big prank at first, you know. Just we're gonna screw with some redcoats, and then it just got out of control. <laughs> <laughs> things they have a way of spiraling out of control. People take sides, you know. War of Independence to look forward to then. <laughs> so, how was TAM? I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I had the time of my life. I had a great I time I... last year as well. From what yeah. I remember, you did. Yeah. I was a bit, it was a shame you guys weren't there. Yeah. I would have been looking forward to meeting you. It was a shame. We should have been able... It would have been awesome. It would have been awesome. But uh, I can never go again because I'm a DJ Grothy fanboy, and I will, you know, I just can't go to TAM if DJ's not there. So. Right. You're a ride-or-die bitch. Yeah, exactly. I am a ride-or-die bitch for DJ. So it's over for you now, then? If somebody host a skeptic conference in Britain, I'll go to that instead. I don't, I don't care. I don't even <laughs> care if it's... It could be an SC-eptic conference. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't even care how it's spelled. PZ Myers was speaking not far from here recently. That's kind of like a conference. More like a black I, hole. But, yeah. I'd go. I'd go. I'd wear a raincoat, but I'd go. Yes, I didn't find out about it until after the fact, but it's about half an hour's drive from where I live that he was speaking. Damn. I think it was the closest he could get to the humanism conference with actual real good speakers that was in Oxford. <laughs> I think he just was in like the general vicinity in England, <laughs> and he just went he to a pub and started talking, and then he said he'd been at the same thing as Dawkins. <laughs> I, I love me a humanism conference. Uh, I, lo I love me a skeptic conference. I, I do think that sometimes we lose sight of the differences between you know humanism as a movement and skepticism as a movement and atheism, uh, which I think should be broader than humanism uh, and different than skepticism. But I, we don't need to we don't need to go into that. I, uh, we just had a, our first skeptic conference here in uh, Edmond, Oklahoma, last weekend. And they blurred the lines a bit. They had some, uh, I would say, very atheist talks. Yeah, especially Aaron Roth. Yeah, not that there's anything really wrong with that. You just don't want it to be the focus of your conference, you know. You want it, if no, you're. I think, I think they were quite careful about that at Tam. There were a couple of speakers who mentioned that they didn't want to go into atheism, and a couple of people that I can't remember who it was, but there was somebody who said he wasn't even going to say whether he was an atheist or not because he wanted that to be irrelevant to the talk. Who was that? There was a lot of doctors talking at it this year because it was the theme for it was sort of neurological medicine and uh, yeah, yeah, science skepticism and the, and the brain. Yeah. yeah. So there was quite there was some of the talks were very technical, more sort of for medical people, and a couple oh. of them were. Was a uh, was a skeptical there? I'm not going to say her real name, but she's a doctor. She was indeed. All right. I bet she I bet she was into that technical stuff. Yeah, I saw her several times. I had lunch with her. Hi, Aww, yeah. you. She's, she's brilliant. She's awesome. 
Absolutely. Not going to say who she really is, even though, you know, if you want to know who she really is, just go look on Freethought Blogs. They've typed out her real name over and over and over and over yeah, and okay. over because they're they're into that sort of thing. Now, God help me, if I were to ever mention who Og Vorbis really is, then I'd be in trouble because that's doxing and that's wrong. Hug Og Vorbis, not dox him. Hug him. Yeah, he deserves hugs and protection and a safe space to be himself. <laughs> the last thing he needs is for people talking about who he really is and whether he works with children. What was the uh, the justification for doxing skeptical? It was something like she slandered PZ or something by diagnosing him online. Uh, joking around about whether the skeptics gave him the clap. <laughs> That's still a pretty good joke. And, there's, and they claim that it's effectively slander by him, uh, diagnosing him, uh, slander and unprofessional behavior by diagnosing him online. Uh, yeah. To be clear, it, it definitely is defamation to claim that someone has an STD that they do not have. Right. Yeah. Um, that's classic. Like every that's like torts 101. It's a classic case uh, of defamation, saying they have a loathsome social disease. But um, she didn't really say that. She joked about that as if, haha, wouldn't that be funny if he caught the clap from skeptics? As if he has sex with skeptics, which everyone knows he doesn't have sex with. Yeah, you know, exactly. Anyone who's not his spouse. Yeah. Is he I mean, married? Yeah. Yeah. He's actually a really post on there about. Well, I guess not his, his first kiss, I think, right? Yeah, very, very consensual kiss. No. Um, oh, it was a, it was nineteen, and he'd been plucking up the courage to. Get get consent or something for. I thought that was a sweet story. I know the the pit just loves to make fun of him for that. that I thought sweet. that was adorable. It was pretty sweet. I thought it was fine. <laughs> Even uh, Mick Nugent thought it was sweet, and he was like, "Why do you go? For, why do you vacillate from these great stories to just being a total douche to everybody?" Yeah. <laughs> I'm a really sweet guy. You have to pluck up my courage. Also, I hate you. Die. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe he's changed a lot. Anyway, I don't, I don't want to talk about PC. I just think that, I just think that story makes him. It's pretty obvious he's not going to be uh, running around with a bunch of skeptics. It's just a, <laughs> maybe well, that's so, what he wants you to believe. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's all a cover. Like I'm really a sweet guy who has, you know, the whole like I'm been in one monogamous relationship forever is all just a cover. So it's a bad cover. I mean. Most of the people in his uh, crew, they don't really care for monogamy. So. It's kind of a good cover, though, if you're looking for the kind of girls who want to violate your monogamous expectations. Ooh, okay, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> like like setting yourself up as the ultimate challenge? Yeah. There it is. There that's it what is. John does with me. Yeah. Are we going to be stopped <laughs> for this? Not only, not only am I monogamous, I'm super monogamous, and also I'm, I'm kind of impotent. There's a challenge. So... <laughs> Ladies, good luck. Yeah. Okay, some, some of that might not be true. Very important. We get it. We get it. Uh, you know, the, the, somebody's going to quote that in the pit, and that's going to be like, going to be true forever. I wish he was Do you have a million children and more coming? I've I've got three, and I don't know uh, if we're going to have any more. But I'm going to keep trying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Dan Savage, I'm just going to keep trying. If he was impotent, he wouldn't be talking about sex with my sister all the time. <laughs> no, I've noticed that. It's a recurring theme. I yeah. look, I like I like sex. I like your sister. What am I supposed to do? Not uh, yeah, talk no, about it. Yeah. 
That, in my family, yeah, you repress that. Yeah, that is that is how it works. Deep down inside you. I don't I think it's just your family. Yeah. yeah. That's, they could. With John. They could. They're, they're actually a Scotch clan. I'm not sure uh, how uptight the Scots are about sex, but... Uh, I don't think the Scots are any more, any less uptight about sex than any other British people. Uh, I think okay. I'm the only one who isn't uptight about sex, actually, as far as I know. All of Britain. <laughs> Everyone else in Britain except oh. me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's good to have you then. It's good to have you on. <laughs> <laughs> so many people have said that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you haven't. No. <laughs> so speaking of sexuality, I hear you've had some work done. <laughs> speaking of sexuality, I suppose it's partly to do with that. I just uh, wasn't, well, able to I wasn't able to attract anyone. So in a maybe. bid to finally have some sex, I had some work done. Is that what you mean? <laughs> I just, I just <laughs> assume that you, that you enjoy touching yourself more now that you have those. That is true. Yeah, there you go. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's just how I imagine it. <laughs> yeah. And thanks to everyone else who's imagining it. Hours. <laughs> it's a long, cold winter here. Oh, damn it. This is live, isn't it? I can't cut any of this out. <laughs> no, you can't. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You said you could edit it, and you're like, this is going to be hard to edit. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm phoned. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what, what's, uh, what's the relationship, you guys, between, you know, you got into uh, atheism and skepticism, kind of at the same time, and then there's this whole social justice thing. So what do you guys see as the relationship between like social justice over here and, let's say, atheism? Um, so, I don't suppose really there has to be any relationship. It's uh, Social justice has got a lot of religious people in it. There's a lot of like, people who claim they're Muslims and claim they're Christian and... I don't really see there has to be any kind of... I mean, like this this whole thing about atheism as a movement seems really weird to me because I've never had Christianity. I've never had religion. Like It's not a matter of I was brought up in a religious family and I broke out of it or I, or I like saw the, the light of reason and, and moved on. It was just never there. It wasn't there as society being pushed down my throat. It wasn't there as family or anything. So... I never really got into atheism. I just was atheist. It's never a big battle for me. It's, it's, it's like a non a non thing. So you didn't grow up Catholic then, if no one's shoving things down no. your throat. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I didn't grow up Catholic. I haven't met any um, touchy-feely priests that you know of. That I know of. I mean, we had uh, like hymns in school every now and again, but I never thought of it as overtly religious. It never, it never felt like. Oh, oh, wait, I broke him. No, it's just like, I never had a religious upbringing. We just had to sing worship songs in school. It's like, <laughs> I know, it's pretty wild. What? That was so never fly. Even in Mississippi, I don't it's, think it's it'd be it doesn't, it doesn't now. We are talking back in the black and white days when I was a child. Um, but it was it was occasionally, and it never felt religious as a child. It was just, oh, we have to sing a song. And I never grew up thinking, there's God watching me or anything. So obviously, whatever impact it had, it wasn't sufficient enough for me to feel the guilt or whatever it is that you religious people need. I think so in British schools they don't attach the meaning to it. So you're singing a hymn, but nobody's talking about what it means. There's no context, so it's just a song. And these days, certainly in the area I grew up, they don't sing hymns anymore because half the school is typically Muslim, 
So, in a lot yeah. of cases around here, it's more Muslim, so I imagine singing a Christian hymn would not go down well. Don't they have Muslim hymns? I have no idea. I've never asked. <laughs> huh. Yeah, that's usually the way to get a Christian to shut up about um, religion in school and just ask, you know, would it be cool if we did the same thing with Islam? And they're like, ah, no, no, that's not cool. <laughs> You know what? You're right. We need separation of church and state. <laughs> I think where the a lot of where the crossover comes from though with the social justice, the kind of thing that we that really annoys us with the social justice warriorism is also this idea of being so overly, overly, overly politically correct in every single way. I think that ties into the idea of people who show a kind of sycophantic respect for religion, especially if it's not their religion. So you've got even recently that Ben Affleck thing where yeah. he's so busy looking racist, as he <laughs> calls it, but where people are just, just this ridiculous idea that you've got to totally respect it and hold it in the utmost regard, even if you aren't personally of that religion. And I think that that ties in a bit with the anti-social justice thing that we have going on, where they, um, all, all this absolutely crazy, insane left, the feminism that nobody can get on board with, the the transphobia whereby you can barely not speak to people in case you're accidentally inadvertently insulting them to death and all of these different things. I think that's a lot where it ties in together. I would have thought quite a lot of the younger social justice warrior type people are probably atheists, um, but they, they're very into respecting religion in a very ridiculous way, I think. I don't think they were brought up religious though. I think that's part of the problem, but psychoanalyzing. Well, so it's speculative psychoanalysis of people we've never met. That's yeah. It's <laughs> a, a good time. Hey, I've met a lot of them. <laughs> well, yeah, I've, been, I've been in the room. Watson. I've been in the room with these people, uh, and 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 they're charming and fine in real life. You just you get them on on Twitter, and they just become, or or blog comments, they just become just raging assholes. But they're they're, they're mostly fine in real life. Do you think they're mostly atheists? Oh, oh, I'm. I only talk to atheists, really. I mean, unless I'm deliberately like picking fights with Christians on Facebook, then. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only reason I know about uh, the social justice movement, um, I, I, okay, when I say social justice, I don't mean like my wife running a free women's clinic so that people can, you know, get healthy and uh, and get birth control and get get everything under control. And that's actually promoting social justice and she actually does that and it's awesome. But I wouldn't say she's fighting for social justice. She's just being a good person and doing what she does. You know, she's promoting social justice, but I wouldn't call her a social justice warrior. Right. Well, that was exactly like kind of our thing with the my thing with the feminism where my mother ran the rape crisis phone line in the basement of that church and they used to sit there all night and take those phone calls. That That's where we're sort of saying, that's what I mean when I'm saying feminism, not these people that are on the internet telling everybody else how to think and how to speak. That was a really uh, beautiful story. Did you write that one down? Was that a blog post that you talked yeah, about your mom? Yeah. Can you tell the people here where, where to find that because it's really great. Thank you, Mara. I will. Now John's going to say that I'm just plugging my blog again, but that was... Plug it. Yeah. Plug it. It's... it's uh, www.theworldaccordingtograce.com Yeah, I found that uh, very inspirational. Uh, she was doing that at a time when, you know, it, it was very difficult, <laughs> very risky. And she wasn't online. She was uh, sitting in a basement taking a fo- horrible phone calls. It's just yeah. going to be incredibly depressing. <laughs> 
Yeah, it, definitely. She ever... still, she still finds it really difficult to talk on the phone, and she can't do it in a small closed room, and she can't talk on the phone if the light isn't on, for example. And wow. she, she has a few things. Come down and try to explain Twitter feminism to her. Yeah, well, this is exact. That's that's perfect because this is exactly what I was about to say in answer to the question: Where does skepticism tie into all of this? And this is where we see that there is no skepticism at all, right? When these people get into the mainstream media, like this Zoe Quinn thing now, she's been on the BBC giving her version of Gamergate. They do no journalism. They don't look into the background. They believe her because she says she's a feminist and because she's a woman and she sits there all teary-eyed and she's had to move out of her house. Nobody examines her behavior or like steps back and looks at what happened. It's the same thing with Caroline Creator Perez and that bloody Jane Austen banknote. These people just get believed. These And this is these social justice warrior type people, right? They're not actually doing anything at all for social justice. But they're in the when it gets into the mainstream media, skepticism goes right out the window. They just seem to get totally believed. I think this is what John and I find incredibly irritating, which is why we talk about this, it the, on our The podcast. BBC thing, the Zoe Quinn thing with the BBC, she said, she almost like outright said that it's not enough that all these companies are coming out and saying that we do not endorse harassment and, and we're actively like trying to stamp out abuse and all that sort of thing. It's That's not enough. They should come out against Gamergate. Like, so it's not enough that they're actually... Working against abuse and harassment, they should come out and say that Gamergate is bad. What she's saying is it's not enough that you're actually working for the cause that I claim to be working for. You need to join my side and say mm -hmm. Like align right. yourself with me personally exactly, yeah. much more publicly. Because what yeah. they're saying oh. is we can see harassment and bullying and abuse on both sides of the fence and we don't agree with any harassment and bullying and abuse. And she's saying, no, you need to join my side of the fence. <laughs> so it's... I've completely been exactly there. I've been there to where I say, look, I, I never bully or harass people. I criticize those who do bully and harass people. And they say, yeah, but you haven't renounced the slime pit. Like, I've, right, exactly. but, I've, but I've spent like hours getting uh, really angry people from the slime pit yelling at me because I say that maybe they should not be so cruel. Uh, and I've even you know, I've said in the slime pit, maybe you should... No, post pictures of people photoshopped into other people's gaping assholes. That strikes me as, you know, somewhat over the line. And they're like, no, that's fine. It's fine. That's what we do. And I'm like, well, it's not, what, you know, it's not what most of you do. Most of you actually you know, make interesting arguments, but some of you are really abusive. And uh, it's not enough to say, I don't, I don't like the abusive stuff. You have to also say, I renounce that side. I now identify with the other side. Well, fuck sides. Yeah, exactly. That's, effective, that's also social justice is once it makes it into the media. It's them establishing what their side is and then trying to make the media believe that the opposite side is all harassment and rapists. All well, it's yeah, really they, easy they, to they do. Silence them too. It's really nobody easy. knows what the other side is. For these women, they do. You know, they do get threats. I mean, it's like it's reliable. It's easy. It's easy to get mm. threats on the internet. And then they say, "Look at us, we got threats." And then, and then they just paint their opponents with that brush, like I've got, they've got the threat brush. Paint, paint, paint. But the other thing they do that is that they never ever acknowledge their own bad behavior in it. They flame it massively, at least in the beginning. Now maybe Zoe Quinn at this point has been inundated with really horrible stuff, and she's wishing that she never got into the whole thing. I don't know. But certainly at the beginning of it, it's been going on for ages now. Perhaps it's got a little bit bigger than she is at this point, but. She was sitting there, she had like, she tweeted a picture of herself making a to-do list on her computer, you know, like, number one, destroy games industry from the inside. Number two, <laughs> yeah. take down gamer gators. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's like a prov provocation, right? So, I mean, she oh, yeah. has behaved in a way that's flamed it. Yeah. And she's not well, saying that on the BBC. 
Well, that's what I mean. What does Zoe Quinn and Rebecca Watson and Anita Sarkeesian have in common besides uh, feminism or some form of feminism? It, it's flame baiting, man. They've elevated it to an art. It's amazing. It's amazing to watch. Yeah. And you know, and kudos to them for shamelessly manipulating angry MRAs. Uh, you know, what? <laughs> it's, I don't Simple know. I got brilliant. Yeah, I've got to. I've got to kind of admire that. That uh, these people are so easily manipulated. Then the the irony in the case of the GamerGate is where the, the whole thing was about ethics and journalism. But where are the ethics of the people that are interviewing her and letting her just give her side of the story without going in and having a look at the kind of things she's been tweeting? Isn't the first thing you do if she says this is happening to me on Twitter, go and like look at her on Twitter? Can't the well, journalist see the stuff she says? I see it in here that yeah, I haven't watched that video, but. The screen grab of it is is her crying, you know, with missy tears. So it's kind of hard to go at somebody when they're crying. You kind of look like a bully. So I imagine that. You kind of feel like a bully. Well, I, I'm okay. Let's say I don't know much about Gamergate. Um, well, what what are the what are the major ethical breaches aside from aside from that massive collusion to everybody write the same article about the death of gaming culture at the same time? <laughs> Effectively, I mean, it started with the, the allegation by her ex, which I think has been proven untrue, but there were effectively people thought that she'd slept with a journalist who had then been favourable to her game. Uh, and it turned out he'd not actually reviewed the game, but he hadn't mentioned the game, which, in my opinion, could be classed as being favourable because the game wasn't good enough to deserve a mention. But either way, that was proven untrue. But the debate... The, what they were arguing about, the ethics, that thing's been around in gaming for 20 years or so, and it's basically things like um, game developers sent, you know, like bringing people out to big shows to see the latest things that they're putting on, but you know, the only people who get flown out are the people who are going to write good reviews, and they get like NDA saying that they can't put the game reviews out and until a certain date, and then if anybody breaches it, they never get, which, actually, scrap that last one, that's quite reasonable. Um, <laughs> and uh, basically treating the game reviewers, the ones that play nice get treated well, if you get what I mean. And gamers don't like that. They don't want to only get reviews. in Because if you think about it, you don't want to buy a launch day game if it's going to be crap, but you can only see reviews of a launch day game before the launch from the people who get the game in advance, and they only give the game in advance to people who are going to give it good reviews. It's that kind of stuff. Okay. I, I think I understand now why I can't relate to gamers. Uh, it doesn't matter how many games I play. I'm never going to do the things that that matter right right now. I'm never going to read a games review magazine because I just hear what games are good from other people that have already played them. Yeah. Uh, right, and I'm never going to buy a launch day games. game. Yeah, I don't buy launch day games because I, you know, that's just ridiculous. You end up paying twice as much. I know. I'm with you. <laughs> so I just hang back. Like I'm just now playing Bayonetta 1, the first Bayonetta. And I'm only getting into that because I hear Anita hates it because there's sexy women in it. Oh. I'm like, oh god! I'm button mashing the hell out of this thing. I don't have time to appreciate how great she looks. The character herself is massively oversexualized. Is the argument on that one? But so. But no, <laughs> what that's, well, that's my real problem with a lot of what Sarkeesian argues is that she basically takes it as read that male sexuality is bad that males looking at women and thinking, wow, that turns me on, is bad. It's not yeah. bad. There's nothing wrong with it. Like, if if some indie game developer wanted to make Porno Quest, 
where like all people do is like seduce and have sex with each other. I'm fine with that. I don't give a shit. You know, I'm not a Puritan. I'm not. Uh, I'm not uptight about sex like Scotland. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm fair. I'm, oh, I'm representing Scotland here. And I, I, as I told John on a podcast once, I do, I was playing The Sims until I discovered that I just could not make them have sex, and I lost interest in it. See, <laughs> if they wanted to make like, if they wanted to make Sims Triple X, you know, like male gaze edition, I don't care. You know, like <laughs> what's wrong with people that. being sexual? I don't care. The male gaze is a uh, uh, made of like a popular rising. You know, it's it's, it's risen into popular. Uh, views people are talking about the male gaze in these video games now, and I'd never really heard that term being used popularly before. Yeah, I'd never heard the term being used outside of like you know talking to Brian about film studies. Yeah, exactly. And everyone's yeah. saying male gaze as if it's male gaze. we all know about it. It's true, and we gotta worry about it. Like males do, in fact, gaze, but so do females. They're just a little bit better about being subtle. A little bit. I mean, Some I was up better at. I just don't, it, I don't see a problem like those with people that talk about stair rapes, though. The minute somebody starts to talk about stair raping, then that is how I automatically immediately know that they have never, ever talked to anybody who's been raped. If you're equating being looked at with being raped, then you can fuck off. Yeah, so the Gamergate thing. Uh, John, <laughs> it, sounds like, it sounds like you're more spun up on this than I am. Uh, uh, well, I'm a gamer, so it's... Uh, I mean, my own sort of involvement was basically I just didn't want to be lumped in with this group of white cis dude bros who just want women out of gaming and like because I was in the demographic that they were talking about but I am not trying to actively push women out of gaming I've got no problem with women making games I've got no problem with the type of games that Anita Sarkeesian wants to exist existing it's just this gaming is massive there is plenty of space for everyone and I'll be honest, if I wanted to sit and cherry pick, I could pick a load of games that <laughs> are not very friendly to men and do a video about that, but I can't be asked. <laughs> so <laughs> the only difference between Anita Sarkeesian and somebody with the opposite kind of vendetta or uh, agenda or whatever is that she's got more time and uh, is willing to put the effort in to find the right kind of game. She did a video once about the Bechdel test, uh, and she sat like just sat there with the, a lot of videos flashing in the background, you know, showing the po the video, the film posters of all these films that had failed the Bechdel test. And there were a lot of films, but there's also a lot of films that passed the Bechdel test. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to sit there, you can eventually cherry pick as much as you want. Mm -hmm. Okay, I don't, um, I don't expect that everybody knows what the Bechdel test is. Uh, it's my understanding that that is when. Uh, two women characters talk to each other about something that's not a man, or their interest in a man. That's. I thought there was a couple of factors. That's one of them. Yeah, that's one of them. And I think it has to be like for a span of time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like more than. I, I don't doubt like, it. I, like I, I thought, like the original Alien movie passes the Bechdel test because. Uh, <laughs> I'm serious because two women characters yeah. are talking about how they're going to survive. Yeah. Well, that's my point, though. There are plenty of films that do pass the test, it's, uh, but she managed to pick all the ones that fail the test and then act like they're the only films in existence. Uh, it's effectively what's happening with Gamergate, is that uh, with her uh, de deconstruction of games, is that she finds all the games in which you can find some example of misogyny, and I'll say that some of her examples of misogyny are a bit spurious. Like, when, you, when you're when friggin' pulling Mario and Peaches from 1980, you really... <laughs> You're not putting on the best examples. Um, 
and like Bayonetta, for example, yes, she's over-sexualized, but it's effectively game porn. <laughs> it's that's they knew what they were going for. They wasn't they weren't trying to uh, oppress women with that one. They were saying some big Nancy titties for you to look at while you're playing this video game. Have Adam, you know, and, uh, like she talks about Grand Theft Auto and how you can murder a prostitute, and then completely leaves out the fact that you can also murder a random guy walking down the street. And you have to murder <laughs> lots of people to win that game. I mean, you have to kill an incredible amount of people to win that game. And the vast majority of the people you kill, you know, mooks, they're dudes. They're yeah. all dudes. Well, I think also it's uh, the reason why they include the whole. Uh, prostitute thing and you know sexual abuse thing is not to glorify it but to eke you out a little bit because it's so beyond you know it's it's not what you're supposed to do so they put it in there to um, to up the level of anxiety maybe a little bit it's, it's not maybe, maybe it's a little bit of fantasy but I, think I think all those games are fantasies for men, though. It's like fantasies about being a soldier, fantasies about being an assassin or a badass criminal, and they're sort of idealized, heightened versions of men as well. That is the whole point of it. It's sort of being the ultimate character of whatever it is that you're playing. I mean, I don't care about Gamergate at all in the sense that I don't play any games, so I don't care about the gaming side of it, but it's just you see the principles of what's happening with these people and the way they act and the flaming and the trolling and all of the things that happen, it, it's, you can apply the exact same principles to all of these different things in social justice. So you just see the same things happening again and then it makes it into the mainstream media. And they get it spectacularly wrong. And so I think that it's just a comparable, it's just, just yet another example of how these things work once they get a bit of momentum behind them. And I they think did. It's quite they, they did get it really. They did get a lot of the mainstream outlets got it really wrong. It was. Yeah. It was yeah. amazing. Like they only talked to people from one very narrow band. Yeah, and this is the problem. Then high-profile people jump on, and they they think they're doing like the Ben Affleck thing, right? Where they think that they're being really like liberal and really having a right-on good attitude to it. So people like um, some people that we know on Twitter were arguing with Dar O'Brien, the Irish comedian, earlier in the week. And it's like he is well-intentioned, right? He wants to go in there and condemn misogyny and say that he thinks women should be welcoming games. He's got he's got good intentions, but he's had a fundamental misunderstanding of the issue because he hasn't had any skepticism to what he's read on the BBC or wherever it is he's picked it up from. And so he's just come at it like completely wrong for the right reasons. And <laughs> I think that's where that's where it's so annoying because their version gets passed off sort of in history. So but you don't even play like Candy Crush or Words with Friends or anything like that? If you play you play level, I play level 35 of Candy Crush in an OCD like manner. You're a gamer. It's a very relevant point though because uh, I, I did point that out on one of the podcasts. The, the, one of the arguments they say when people say, well, games are made for the audience and the audience is largely men and they say, ah, oh, 47% of gamers are women but what they don't say is like 90% of those women are playing Candy Crush. <laughs> to a business, a gamer means anyone who plays games. But to the community, gamer is someone who takes that on as you know a lifestyle, as a as a way of of uh, meeting other people like you. So you know, to a business, it makes sense to call them gamers. But otherwise, no. Yeah, I don't self identify as a gamer because I just don't play enough, and I always play stuff way after it comes out. But yeah. I do. I do spend a couple hours a day playing games, though. 
I have no objection to people who just play Facebook games and mobile phone games as being classified as gamers. They're, they're playing video games. That's really all. That, it's, it's like if you don't believe in God, you're an atheist. If you play games, you're a gamer. You're just arguing over how much of a gamer. But like the, the unless you're saying that they only play Candy Crush because that's the only game available to them, which is total bollocks, then the argument that all these mainstream games aren't tailored to women, and they should be tailored to women, is null and void, because that's not the kind of game that women want to play. These 47% of gamers that are women only seem to want to play Facebook games. And there are plenty of games there for them. Like, there's, uh, the Tomb Raider is the main one I keep bringing up. It's a female protagonist. She's not overly sexualized in the latest one. Like so the the boobs have been brought down a little bit and all that. And uh, and it was written by uh, a friend of Anita. Oh, Anita's sorry, he looked over his shoulder there. Like, did anybody hear me? No, he's uh, <laughs> kind of like shifty. Like, <laughs> just making sure I wasn't in trouble. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so like there are there are games that exist for these people, but they don't want to play them. They want to play Candy Crush and Farmville or Townville or whatever Ville it is at the minute. Uh, and I don't care like I don't care what games people play. I I get the sense that gamer identity is to a large degree bound up in a, a number of like Steam communities, uh, Xbox Live communities, people who spend a lot of time banging on each other in in you know. The big titles, and not banging each other. No, not they don't, they don't get to do that as much. But I think as well because the generation that play a lot of games are also online and they're vocal and they've sort of banded together over this Gamergate thing. They identify as a group of people. There's a cohesion to it. So I mean, if people are talking shit about women, not all women are going to band together and sort of fight back against that. Same thing with men. It's too loose of a definition. It's too many people. But this gamer thing, I think it's never ending. People seem to care about it so, so, so much. Like these game, gamer people, like hardcore gamer head people, they, they really care about that. And they really care about the fact that they feel maligned as a group. And they're not going to take it lying down, as it were, because they, they have a vocal presence as a sort of en masse online thing. And okay, yeah, at the fringe end of it, there's all the crazy ones that are sending rape and death threats, as there always are. They come out, see something's happening, they jump on it, they send a rape threat. Probably the same person does it, whatever the issue is. But uh, there definitely has a sort of seems to have aroused some kind of like group identification thing for these gamer people. They're quite well, proud I, of being it. That, that makes perfect sense. Like, if that's what you, you spend most of your time, do, like, if that's where you get your greatest joy in life, is, uh, you know, getting on with your your uh, clan of people and then blowing the shit out of another clan or monsters or whatever you blow the shit out of, if that's where you get your great joy in life and then people come on and say, you know, you're wrong, you're, you know, you're a misogynist, you hate women, like, yeah, that would, that would piss me off too. I'd, be, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd feel yeah. like my identity was under attack. And, and that's that's effectively why I got any sort of emotional investment in the whole thing. I don't really care about the ethics argument because I'm like like you. I never read a, a games magazine really, and I very rarely read the reviews. So it doesn't really bother me how they're handling themselves because I'm not using them to get my information. But uh, although unlike you, I do actually pre-order games. I've Assassin's Creed pre-ordered that should be arriving in a couple of weeks, and I can't wait. <laughs> I've heard good things. <laughs> But where did you hear them from? Can you trust them? <laughs> I don't know. I, <laughs> I mean, uh, judging by previous titles, I can I can basically trust them. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's a good it's a good franchise. Oh, this one's been made by a different team of developers who started about four years ago, so it's kind of like going back to Assassin's Creed Two and forking off rather than following from the current progression. Forking, forking off. Yeah. Forking off. Okay. Yeah. Just, just wanted to be clear on that. <laughs> if, if, if he starts getting too much into the actual game, just let me know and I'll rein him in. Give me uh, I would fork. I would fork the hell out of that repo. Just fork the whole repo <laughs> and let it dangle. Somebody's getting fired. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you guys, you you interact with these social justice people on Twitter. Uh, not so much me. <laughs> Why? Why? Try to avoid that. Try to yeah, avoid interaction. I, I very rarely interact with these people at all anymore. You used to more, but we usually say the podcast, we usually just prefer to talk about them behind their backs, don't we? Rather than actually. Occasionally we have clashed with them, and it's, sometimes it's been quite spectacular, hasn't it? It's gone. Mm, Gate. Yeah. What's, your, what's, your, what's your ranking on the block bot? Two. I, I'm currently one. You're yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, um, respect. I, I Actually, that... for, uh, forever, and then uh, I uh, I offered a trans person the option to refer to themselves as it, right. and that was an instant level one. Yeah, <laughs> that's trans misogyny, yo. Actually, funnily enough, just yesterday I got a DM from somebody to point out that Ulon has been in looking at my tweets because I had said something about the. Um, the idea that when Zoe Quinn is on the media crying like that and getting believed that some people that are incredibly frustrated by the Gamergate thing who previously didn't hate women, but they see her able to manipulate it like that just because she is a woman and actually maybe you know some people are going to end up hating women and thinking that women behave in a really bad way from that. And I had made a tweet about that. It was obviously more concise than what I just said. Yeah, how the um, hell do you do that? That's fantastic. Good job. Yeah, <laughs> then U- but Ulon had gone in and found it, and he'd retweeted it. No, he hadn't retweeted it. He'd gone in and commented, and he said, according to Zoe Jen, which is confusing, having the same name, of course, according to Zoe Jen, Zoe Quinn is making people be misogynists. And then all of his like followers were on that, going like, what? Oh, my God, what? Ulon's always watching. Yeah. Always yeah. What I locked my, I locked my Twitter account down, so one of the fun things about that is that he can't see what I'm saying. I'm I'm quite happy for him to see everything I say, and yeah, especially when it's about him. Well, I'll yeah. I'll unlock it if I want to talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> Chaz, what are you at on the bot? I haven't looked in a while. I haven't even cared. I probably two or I don't know. I'll I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah, I, I'm I've got I've got accounts on every level of the bot. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's a claim to faith. As in, like, do people know that it's you, or are these secret accounts that nobody knows it's actually you behind? Well, like, the Blue Ball Skeptics account um, oh, right, is obviously yeah. is obviously going to be me or Chaz, and that's a that's level two, I think. Oh, it's been yeah. blocked huh? What for? What did you tweet um, that you on the bot? Or was it just the fact that you're behind it? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Probably. Probably the second one. It's your unblock. It's your un... Uh, uh, it's your public account. The one you have privatized. Guilt by yeah. association. Association to yourself. I'm sure... <laughs> I'm sure he deserved it. Accounts. Yeah. I'm I'm sure that uh, that 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 account did something wrong at some point. Uh, I mean, we can look that up now. There's a tool where you can look up like why are you on the blockbot? Oh, that's which is kind of sweet. Yeah, I'm gonna look you up right now, Chaz. <laughs> you do that. I can find I you. Think, I bet the blue balls did uh, 
they did uh, deserve it. Yeah, as we said, the um, the bar for entry into level one has dropped considerably. It's no longer the exclusive club of misogyny and vile, vile though it was. No, I know. Those people used to be... Uh, <laughs> they were yeah, something yeah, yeah. Level one used to be all like, like Nazis and like, yeah. you know, really nasty shit. And now it's so easy. But Ulan is exactly like Zoe Quinn and all these people. He went on Newsnight, which is the BBC. Again, what is going on with the BBC? They seem to be completely lacking in scepticism and barely overly employing pedophiles. I don't know what goes on with them now. But they he was he was on Newsnight as well, saying that he had to create this tool to keep the misogynists and abusers and Nazis and all of that at bay because Twitter wouldn't do it, which was all very well and good had that been what he was really doing. But who was on the yeah. blog? It was us lot. I mean, it was just ordinary people who are not like that at all. So he and that's just, why BBC got so many complaints about it because they said that this is a list, this is a, a tool for blocking people who abuse and harass and all that. And we were on there. We were like, well, hang yeah. on, I'm on that list. So you're saying I abuse and harass? Yeah, that's mildly mm-hmm. false. <laughs> Like, I make yeah. a habit of never tweeting people who haven't tweeted me first, so the one thing that they can't say about me is that I abuse them because I never friggin' tweet them. Yeah, I found that very disturbing as well. I just no, checked I on Chaz's that. blockbot status. He's not on the bot. No! He's not on the bot, Chaz. <laughs> no, they, they, they actually did... St- it, it, you were on it. You were on it oh, as yeah. of uh, November 17th. As of last Skepticon, you were on it. But now you're not. Huh. I think... Oh, it's, it was the it was the elevator photo. That's what put you on there, dude. The uh, elevator yeah. photos. Well, got I was on, on there in the past as well. I mean, just going back to the Gamergate thing, I was saying that one of the mistakes the the people on the other side made was attacking a group that did include a number of their own kind, that a number of the people who probably would be social justice warriors in a different argument. Um, and I've just seen a tweet in favour of Gamergate starting with friendly reminder, which kind of proves that point. Anything that starts with friendly reminder, I'll reminder that. Social justice call word. It is. Yeah. It totally is. It, it was usually reminder, like Stark is coming. Friendly reminder: so and so upset me in some way three and a half years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of it is like that, and this is where this is where the pitters also like look a lot like SJWs to me because they hold grudges on shit forever. They will remember the worst thing you ever said online for yeah. years and years, and they will throw it back at you forever. They will. And if you rape children when you were 12, they will throw it back at you forever. <laughs> Just let it go. Yeah, let seriously. Go. Okay. I guess my, my point is some, some things really are bad enough that you should hold on, <laughs> you should hold on to them forever. Uh, other things, like you said this terrible thing one time, like Ryan Long made a, a rant on Facebook at one point, which uh, he went over the line. I think it was Facebook. Yeah, it's Facebook. Uh, and they will always bring that back and be like, that one time you said terrible things. And he's like, yeah, I did. I felt bad about it. You are so true. <laughs> I did. People keep bringing it up like, over and over. Somebody said that to me about, uh, what was his name? I can't remember. Somebody on Three Thoughts Blogs who uh, basically said that HIV... Um, or whatever the proper term for that is, people who have HIV shouldn't be required to tell, it should be on the person that they're having sex with to ask them if they have HIV. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was on Prime. Because he's like a 16th Red Indian and Portuguese and all sorts of stuff. Well, I I found that, but I found it a year late and I commented on it and somebody on Twitter, I think it was a million gods or whatever her name is, um, 
basically had a go at me saying this is like a year old. Like, why why are you judging this up? I was like, yes, yeah, a year old. But I'm in the comments on the blog post, and the guy who wrote the blog post is still defending himself to me in the comments. So the situation hasn't changed just because the post is a year old. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was in those comments. I, I seem to remember that one. Um, yeah, I was. What was the guest poster's name? Uh, is, uh, I can't remember. I got cat or something in there. I don't know. Was it half fish? It was half fish. It was half fish Gavine. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, which which like means something about a shark crying. I think. <laughs> I miss half fish. Ah. Yeah. yeah, we actually had uh, no shit a, a situation here in Oklahoma where a guy was in a guy was active in our atheist group, and uh, and then he went on to go to prison for not disclosing his HIV positive status with sex partners. But he had moved away from us by that time. Yes, yeah, he was a Kansan by that point. He's Kansas's problem. Yeah, he was Kansas. <laughs> yeah, not ours. Well, it was uh, your problem if you'd had sex with him? I I didn't. I, I did not. When you said he was active in your group, I did wonder if that was another way of saying he sleeps around. I think it was code for what? Yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> HIV from uh, one of our you know, one of our atheists. Who knows? No, no, he actually had the HIV back in college because we remember we went to college too. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so there was, it was a real-world case where, like, this dude is not disclosing his status, and uh, I think Kansas pretty much got it right. Like, don't you know that you have a potentially lethal disease? Don't be don't be having sex with people unless yeah. you tell them. I actually, unfortunately, I kind of have to go because it's the middle of the day on Saturday here, and my family are invited round to somebody's house to eat a deer. That oh, cool! Somebody, okay. yeah. You guys, some, you guys got a lot of deer up there. Well, our friend has shot this one in question, and now he's making a dinner out of it. His wife is a vegetarian, so he's invited us <laughs> to come and eat it. <laughs> Did he make it a point? Was he like gutting the thing on the table in front of her? I really, I really hope not, because I'm not 100% happy with the whole hunting thing. Although I've got used to it when in this, Rome and all that. But um, this could be like a prelude to a messy divorce. To tell you what. <laughs> well, there. It's a funny story because he's he's a really ardent atheist, and she is currently training to be like a spiritual guru thing. Oh and, uh, shit! There she is. Oh my god, she's doing so much weird stuff. Um, so so yeah. maybe venison isn't their worst problem then. I don't yeah. think that's their worst problem. They've had a, she's put sure. angels all over their house, and he's had a massive row with her about taking them down. She told him that she had to be free to express herself. Oh no! And, oh, um, Do they have kids? Yeah. Oh, oh fuck! Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's a Lazy few kids. interesting things going on there. Uh. And she's invited me on Facebook to a spiritual find yourself retreat, a self confidence. Uh, no, what was it? Yeah, a self find your self esteem through yoga or something. Yeah. <laughs> Did you tell you yeah. found yourself a steam at the plastic surgeons? <laughs> well, that was a funny story, though, because she had gone home after meeting me for lunch one day and said to him, do you think I need a boob job? And apparently he'd gone, yeah, that'd be really great. Far too enthusiastically. <laughs> my, husband, John, my husband really didn't want me to do it, 
And the two of them then went fishing, and John was like, no, I told Zoe not to. And he was like, what the fuck? Anya said that she wanted to, and I told her to, and now she's mad at me because I supported it far too enthusiastically. Next thing you know, the car keeps in a bowl. <laughs> the, the lesson there is is always, always say, whatever you want, honey, Whatever, just whatever works for you. Apart from becoming a charlatan homeopath. Yeah, that's, that's, he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to say whatever you want to that too, if he wants to stick with this. You want to put <laughs> angels up all over the house, baby? That's fine. Just let me have my venison. That's all I ask. Well, that, that's probably where they're at. So we're having angels and venison this afternoon. <laughs> that's, that's what's happening there. So let us know how Bumby's mother tastes. Yes, please. I'll let you know how Bumby's mother tastes. I will do. Yeah, post some food porn pics. <laughs> oh yeah, I can do. I can, I can do that. Yeah, definitely. If we're really like it'll still have its head on or something. Like, yeah. yeah. It's just yeah. A of the food. It's not a picture of the food with your tit on the plate or anything. Yeah, I got that, thanks, John. Although I was actually <laughs> going to show you my boobs for this reason, because look, my T-shirt says, "Be a warrior, not a warrior." How cool is that? <laughs> that uh, that's pretty cool. So that was that. Thanks very much for having me on. I am just going to have to. I think we're going to wrap up. I think oh, we're going to wrap, wrap up. up. I can, I can stay I for the, the end if this is the end, yeah. Yeah, this is the yeah, end, my friend. I've gone anyway, to be fair. Yeah, exactly. So long and thanks for all the fish. Yes, uh, on Indeed. behalf of the Blue Ball Skeptics, I'm Damien, that's Zoe, that's John, that's Chaz. Wave goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. The Blue Ball Skeptics podcast is not a production of the Oklahoma Skeptic Society although we wholeheartedly support their efforts. We are unsponsored, unrestrained, unaffiliated, unaccountable, and often uncredible. For more information, please visit www.blueballskeptics.com. The music for today's show was Skeptic by James York, a.k.a. Cheap Shot, a.k.a. Yorkie, a.k.a. Better at Dubstep Wall Bass Chip Funk Than You and is used here under a Creative Commons license.